I'm excited to talk about my sponsors today, Gay Lisby's Million Dollar Arbitrage Group. Amazing, amazing group. This is a teacher. This is, uh, Gay was a teacher. She is a teacher still. You need to learn this is the type of uh, environment you want to be in because she's going to help you understand why. And I think that's the hardest part of this business is understanding why. Why is the red one popular when the green one isn't? Well, there's usually a reason. And what Gay does is probably parse that better than anybody. And she'll explain the reasons for those things. I think that's really powerful. Yes, she puts out a list. You're going to get, uh, get use of that list if you get in the group. Now, here's the deal. The group isn't always open, right? So, you get on the waiting list, and you can join the waiting list through my link. Um, doesn't cost you anything to, to get on a waiting list. And if you uh, like her service, which I find that most people do, and that's why there's not so many openings, um, you'll be with her for a long time. And so it's AmazingFreedom.com. She's part of Andy Slamet's group. AmazingFreedom.com forward slash momentum, and you're going to get in the waiting list. That's all I can get you on right now. You can use my name and see if that gets you anywhere. But what I like about in that, uh, what I like about what they teach in that group are the things that are going on, you know, the current things. I've seen a lot of stuff going on about stores going out of business. Well, here's where an opportunity is. Here's why you want to do this. Hey, be cautious about this, you know, with Toys R Us coming out. You got to think about this. And that's the learning that you need to do. And gay is better than anybody else I've seen. So um, amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum will get you to the waiting list. Then hopefully it can get you in the group and then you're going to see me in there and uh, we can chat anytime you're ready. Karen Locker's group, Solutions, the number four e-commerce, solutions4ecommerce.com forward slash momentum. It's going to save you 50 bucks. Karen's our account manager. We recommend her to everyone because she's done so well for us. I mean, that's quite frankly the reason we've been paying her for the last few years, but she's become an important part of our team. Her and her team are so involved in our account. I just see the emails coming back and forth. Hey, we did this for you. I just saw two listings today. And I'm like, wait a second. Why did they show up? I didn't put any listings up. They got, uh, they got uh, set off to the side by Amazon, and they reactivated them for me. You know what I mean? That's the stuff that just happens when you have a strong team, and I can't recommend Karen enough. If you use uh, my code Momentum, Karen pays me. I don't want to hide that. Of course, we all know that, but you're going to save $50, and it's a great opportunity to really, really um, build out your team with somebody you can trust. That's why I recommend them. So solutions for e-commerce, solutions, the number for e-commerce.com forward slash momentum. It's going to save you $50. Oh, and by the way, she's going to do an inventory health report. Why is that important? Well, guess what? Fees are going up. Is your inventory health number declining like ours is? Well, here's why, and here's what they can do. What I like is I get a spreadsheet from them and it says, hey, um, here's a bunch of inventory. Here's what we recommend. And I'm like, yep refund, I mean, uh, delete, uh, return to us, blah, 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 whatever it is, and it's or destroy, and it just happens. That's what I like. The other thing that I have Karen help me with a lot is creating new listings. You know, we do a lot of the research ourselves, we upload our images, and then boom, magically the listing goes live, and I don't have to worry about it. Those are the services that Karen offers. Can't recommend her enough. Solutions for ecommerce.com forward slash momentum. Save 50 bucks. Use my code you save $50 a month every single month, and it's a great service. Plus, you get that free inventory health report. I think it's a really powerful way. So I can't, uh, I'm so excited how many people have been joining her because I see it. And I'm excited because the, the messages I get from people are saying, hey, this is great. I finally feel like I can focus on something else because Karen and her team are watching this for me. And, you know, I highly recommend her. Next up is Seller Labs and Scope. <laughs> I almost said it wrong. It's it's amazing. I mean, it really is amazing when you sit back and think about, hey, I want to get this product up, and it's similar to this product, and that's, that product does well. Well, therefore, if that product does well, they have the right keywords. They have chosen things correctly. So guess what? You scope, and you can see all that stuff, and that's what the, the most powerful thing in the world is to copy somebody who's done it right. That's what you want to – you want to take advantage of that, right? I mean, it's it's fair – uh, to see. And so therefore you could take and apply it to your listing and immediately get that same benefit. That's what scope does for me. Sellerlabs.com forward slash momentum. It's going to save you $50 on the service. Oh, by the way, it's free to try. So sign up, try it and say, oh, this is how it's done. Boom. And then you're going to, the light's going to go on and you're going to be like, man, I can get my products out there. I just can't wait. 
Can't wait. Sellerlabs.com forward slash momentum. The other day, I bought another domain. Yes, I bought another domain. It's almost like uh, I'm admitting guilt. But it's because I had an idea, and it was something that was a pretty good idea. I think it's going to go pretty far. And so what do I do? I go to trygodaddy.com forward slash momentum and save 30%. So domains aren't very expensive. You get a few services. It adds up a little bit. And I usually buy three years. I usually buy privacy. By the way, I recommend that too. Buy that, you know, it's not that much money, but when you can save 30%, it makes it that much sweeter. And it makes it easier uh, when you're buying domains, and especially if you buy a bunch of domains. I am a domain collector, and so I do tend to do that. But that 30% makes it a lot easier. And I use GoDaddy because what I like is I can pop in an address I'm thinking, and it'll say, nope, nope, try this version or try this extension. And then boom, there it is. Hey, you better hurry before it goes away. And they're right, you know. And so try GoDaddy.com forward slash momentum, save 30%. Also, I want to mention about Grasshopper. Who was I just talking to somebody the other day? And they were like, oh, yeah, I use this company called Grasshopper. I'm like, dude, did you buy it through my link and save 30%? Hello? No, they missed that. So save 30%. It's try grasshopper.com forward slash momentum. No surprise there, but you're going to save 30%. And what the, the real cool part about that is they're using it for their private label business. And it gives them virtually a second phone on their current phone without having to get another number. They can make up a vanity number. They don't have to go and do all the grief and, and sign long contracts pretty easy stuff. And so if you're creating a brand that you want to identify, you want to look professional, you want to look like a real company, Grasshopper is a great tool. It's an app you put on your existing phone and boom, you now have a customer service department. You now have a sales department. You now have a manufacturing division. You could forward it to somebody else. You can have it go to different voicemails, different departments, and it's all included. So try grasshopper.com forward slash momentum, save 30%. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 323, Raphael Romas. Uh, very cool, dude. Very, uh, very cool title. Man, I'm kind of jealous of his title. I'll tell you up front. The e-commerce whisperer. How cool is that? Imagine being called that. Imagine having a title for anything. Somebody calling you something nice. Uh, very, very smart guy. What I appreciated about him is he comes from a world where he helps brands launch, you know, on their own websites or whatever, and then he sells them on helps sell them on multiple channels. But a lot of it's done on Instagram and on Facebook and all those places. But then he might bring it to eBay or Amazon. And here we are in the Amazon world and eBay world, and that's our whole world. And he's like, oh, yeah, we use that too. But that's not where he starts. He starts on the other end of where we like to get to. And so it was kind of interesting is that you can work backwards. And he gives some advice on how to work backwards. The other thing that I really wanted to get from him uh, and what I was really most interested in is his knowledge of Instagram influencers, or not only Instagram influencers, but just influencers in general. And... I think his advice is very sound and very logical, and I think it's very, very powerful. And then last but not least, I think he does a great job explaining about a unique value proposition um, quite a bit. Of, he, he does more than just a good job because it's really deep what he gets into. His, his website's really phenomenal with this information, and there's some quizzes on there that will help you narrow yours down. But his consistency message, I think, is one of the most uh, uh, solid and best advice I've seen in a long time about getting that consistent brand um, across everything that you do. And every single time you th you go to anything that we do or our company's mentioned, you see that unique value proposition. I think it's a very, very powerful, very cool conversation. You're going to get to hear rare rain thunderstorm in Southern California. I said to him, it's like it never rains in Southern California. Well, apparently it does. Let's get into the podcast. All right, welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. Very excited about today's guest because it's a different different type of interview. Um, as I'm bringing on the e-commerce whisperer, that's his title. He uses uh, it's a line that somebody gave him. I can't wait to hear that story. But what's fascinating <laughs> about uh, fascinating about this gentleman is this: 
his concept is help design the brand, help create the brand, help bring it to market. And oh, by the way, we're going to sell it on Amazon and eBay and Etsy or whatever, all those other channels where most people listening, right, all, all my friends and all these people listening to this are already selling on it. They've already figured that piece out and they're saying, hmm, I'd like to come off of there with my brand. I'd like to find another way to sell, but I don't know how to drive traffic and how to, how to get an audience off of Amazon. I'm hooked on it. It's like a, it's like a fix. Raphael Romas. Welcome, Raphael. Thank you very much for having me. I'm whispering to you. You are the e-commerce whisperer. All right, you got you to gotta lead off with where did that come from? Sure. So basically I started my digital agency about seven years ago. And since then we worked on pretty much any project you can imagine, ranging from small startups all the way to billion dollar corporations. And what we found is that we definitely have a sweet spot and the sweet spot is for e-commerce companies. So then I started working with this uh, really great marketer, actually, that helps with personal branding. And I started telling her a little bit of my, about my story and how I've helped companies um, grow from you know, hitting their first $100,000, which I think is a big milestone, to then going up to a million and then way surpass that. And... I was telling her this story about a brand that kind of sold out in a few minutes after launching and she just it just came out. She said, oh, so you're kind of like the e-commerce whisperer. Mm. I'm like, huh, yeah, I'll <laughs> take that. Stuck. Yeah, it's stuck. <laughs> you know, and it's yeah. funny because this is real. Who's going to be the first fastest company to get to a billion dollars in sales it's in the field that you're in right the health and beauty field who is it going to be right yeah kylie yeah, I mean, jenner right she's going to hit a billion dollars in sale i don't i never even heard of her was she the model sister i don't even know what she did <laughs> right but think about that how long yeah, has it been it hasn't been long right i mean the it's interesting because i remember my wife watches the show as long as you don't as long as you don't know you're okay <laughs> so i knew about kim kardashian obviously but then i remember almost feeling sad for the two little sisters that were in the shadow of the three older sisters and i'm like wow you know it's there's no way it's gonna last you know they're just gonna fizzle out and just stay in the shadows and look at what happened now we have they're both mega stars Megastar, but for what? For being celebrities, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> professional celebrity. That's your title. Hey, yeah. I'd like to introduce yeah. myself. My name is Raphael. I'm a professional celebrity. That's it. <laughs> Imagine a business card. What does it say? I don't know. But but I think this is the concept, and I think um, we're going to get to this place because I want to get there where basically it's you create this giant audience, you bring them value, and then eventually, and value is relative, right? What we perceive, you and I perceive, as opposed to your wife, she clearly got value. Maybe it was just like watching an accident scene. She can't turn away. But realistically, she she found utility there. And so there's value in that. And then once you create that audience, then you have the ability to market. You have permission almost, like that permission uh, marketing, I think Gary Vee calls it. You have permission to start selling them something. So before we get there, before we get there, why this? Why, what, what interests you about you know, this digital world and this marketing thing? What is it that makes you, that gets you excited about this stuff, that keeps it, that keeps it thrilling for you? I always loved starting and building businesses. But I found that if they're your businesses, then there's just so much you can do. You cannot spread yourself too thin because there's so many things that you have to run in order to grow a business, uh, whether it's e-commerce or anything else, really. So I decided about 10 years ago when I started getting introduced to the whole online marketplace that I wanted to do marketing. So that's how it started. And then I started marketing my own companies but then i saw that you know like i said it's it's hard to do that because there is so many pieces that you have to put together besides getting new business or converting clients you also need logistics shipping customer service there's just so much stuff so i figured that the best way to kind of bring both worlds together 
which is my love for marketing, but also being involved in a lot of different businesses because I, I like I like challenges. I like getting I like seeing different things. I like seeing different industries even. Um, would be to help companies with their online marketing and branding. So that's how I got into making websites. That's how I started my agency. And that's really the same kind of logic that brought me to where I am today, where I'm, I'm offering a more personalized service that includes pretty much everything that goes into the big pile of, of digital. And, and, and what's very cool to me is that when you offer that whole that whole, you know, the gamut of that stuff. It's like, okay, check. I can take that off of my plate completely because yes. what, what happens is this, and this is, and I'm not putting anybody down, so don't, please don't get offended, anyone. But if you build websites, that's cool, right? Or if you build Shopify stores, that's cool. But how do you get the two of them to talk together? And how do you get the marketing to be consistent? And how do you get people to see both of them and blah, 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 and on and on and on? There's yes. so many pieces there that quite frankly, in the old days, it was okay to do it separately. Now it's not. You know, now, you know, it's funny when I make a uh, post um, on, I guess it's Instagram. I'm, I'm so such a newbie on this stuff. When I make an Instagram <laughs> post, I have the option to post it to Twitter and post it to Facebook and Tumblr, right? Which if, if anybody even knows Tumblr exists. But still, <laughs> what's cool is it's just check a switch. And now all of a sudden, I'm getting a consistent message out there consistently, right? And, and, you know, Instagram is one type of post. So do I want all those posts to go to Facebook? Well, not always, right? And so knowing all those things and staying consistent, I think that's the key, right? Isn't it, isn't it really consistency over time and yes. the same message, you know, but that's hard to do. Especially it because I gotta I gotta deal with customer issues as you said, or I gotta buy yes. inventory in my world. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So I'll tell you that what I found, and we can dive into this further. But what I found is that number one, the most important thing is that you need to find what your unique value proposition, and number two, you have to use it properly, which means use it everywhere and use it consistently. And it's really interesting to see that. A lot of times you'll start a business without necessarily having really figured out exactly what's your unique value proposition. I'm guilty of that too, by the way. Hmm. Sometimes, like, I'll never forget this. I saw this Groupon that was selling, um, have you seen those lanterns that you light up and then they fly? Oh, yeah, they look cool. So we had recently uh, planned our wedding where we had those lanterns and I, I imported like 200 of them from China and they ended up being about a dollar each and say a month or two months later I see a Groupon for this special offer where you get to buy a lantern instead of paying the full price of $9.99 at 50% off for five bucks Whoa. I'm like wait a minute I bought that for a dollar mm. <laughs> and that wasn't even wholesale you know I could probably buy more for even less so then I thought, okay, I'll just do that. But I didn't think it didn't end up working. And the reason was I didn't think about exactly what, what is the problem that I'm trying to solve. And I find that if it's just, um, you know, price, you see something and you think that the price is good enough, that's not a great way to go at it. You need to have a little bit more to it, depending on your audience and what you're selling, of course. Mm -hmm. Absolutely fair. Uh, we, Those of us who can relate to that are holding up our hand right now saying, Ben, they're done that. Got a I have a warehouse full of those decisions that I've there made. There you go. You know, yeah, I they're did. my closet. <laughs> I did. So one of the cool things that you do is to help people narrow down. So again, our audience likely, right? And there's exceptions, of course. Um, there's people mm -hmm. who's starting out, but they're selling, you know, hundred thousand dollars a year to you know twenty million dollars a year all the way in between probably the average is probably half a million to a million bucks right and they're having mm -hmm. success and most of them are selling mostly on Amazon and partially on eBay and they both have their own ups and downs and challenges but again they're trying to figure out how to get an audience off of there and they're trying to say hey because because those brand those channels as they uh, change for their business it affects our business and there's no right. conversation between the two, right? They make the changes for their business, what's best for them without consulting us. And, yeah, and I get like it. it or, right. Right. This is our, 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 well, they use that phrase, our sandbox, you play in it, our rules or get out. Right. And right. so, so one of the big challenges though 
is trying to get off. So a lot of people are trying influencers, and I know you're very familiar with this. They're trying influencers, and they're trying to take their brand and send it to them, or they're buying them. There's some there's some companies you can buy the influencers. You know, you find out how much to buy. You know, how much sure. would it cost for five thousand? You know, Instagram followers and and blah blah blah. But mm -hmm. I've not heard of a lot of people having a lot of success with that. Um, I've heard some, and it's new to us. And none of us, have, you know, are really special. And I'm I'm not talking about the outliers. Yoda or is a, a guy who's a sure. genius. It's just the rest of yeah. us. So one of those things that that that's definitely one of the things that you tend to help. And quite frankly, is one of the reasons I'm having you on is because you've seen a whole bunch of that. And you even have a, a phrase uh, uh, that you use to help people who are stuck in this thing. Let's talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I'll, I'll start with a story, which I think is one of the coolest stories I have to say. And I always like to say it. We were working with this brand uh, back in 2000, 2012. And it was a makeup brand, so they were launching a line of lipsticks. And the two founders were both makeup artists. They were working at Nordstrom, I believe. So as they were preparing for their plans, of course, this started you know, a year or so ago because they had to do all the planning, manufacturing, packaging. There's a lot that goes into it. But as they were doing all that, before even launching the brand, they started pushing it out there on social media. Hmm. And the way that they pushed it out there is that they already had an audience because they were doing makeup and they were posting pictures of their makeup. So to that same audience, which is a good audience because they're going to be selling makeup, and this is an audience that is interested in makeup, super important to market to the right audience, um, they started posting pictures showing their new makeup. And what was really unique about their new makeup is that the colors were really, really bold, really, really bright. They, they say that they added too much pigment. So you wouldn't get like a normal red, you would get a really, really strong red. So they really make a, a big difference. I mean, I'm not an expert in makeup colors, but in the market, they really stood out. And the result was that people got super excited about it. And people started talking about it, and people started asking questions like, "When can we get it? How quickly can it ship?" Etc. Fast forward to the day that we launched. We launched on midnight, and less than an hour later, everything was sold out. <laughs> so, I love that story because that's not a brand that had a million dollars to spend on marketing. You know, because you can also buy that. I can tell you many stories where that was actually manufactured and bought, and they were also very successful, but the story I just described is two girls that really had not sold a ton of product before. They didn't have a brand before that. It was the first time doing it. And by using effective influencer marketing on social media, particularly Instagram, they were able to create a huge success. And now they're one of the most successful independent makeup companies period, you know, they're, they're very well known. The name is Melt Cosmetics. So how that relates to Amazon and eBay is that by selling on Amazon and eBay, you're entering a marketplace that has people looking to buy, which is amazing. And that's why we're paying those really big commissions. And that's why we have to follow the rules and we'll just live with it, right? Whether they sound or fair or not fair. Um, but the way that you can get outside of that, in my opinion, is that you have to try and build your own brand outside of Amazon or outside of eBay. Because what happens when you're part of a marketplace together with you know, hundreds of thousands of other sellers is that the, the term brand kind of becomes diluted. And I want to clarify that when I say brand, I don't necessarily mean logo or colors and things like that. I run a digital agency where we, we actually charge a lot of money to do branding of that nature. But I don't know if that's, I actually, I know that that's not the thing that actually well, makes it. Give me an success. example then. Give me an example of that because that's important. Yeah, definitely. So let's say I'm selling a product on Amazon. What we would say is a, is a common product to sell on Amazon. Anchor. Anchor. When you say anchor, do we mean... Uh, an actual anchor or 
No, A N K E R. It's actually an Amazon brand, and they make uh, battery backups, so like uh, charging. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen that one. Okay, so uh, would several people be selling the same product, exactly the same product, exactly the same brand? Um, not the same brand because Amazon owns it, but several. There's probably hundreds of variations of that exact same product, right? They're just there's under a ton different of them. brands under different names. Yeah, yeah. None of them the same, Great. but they're all the same. You know, probably made by the same company. <laughs> Great. So what you'd want to do is you'd want to somehow create an allure behind your anchor and make it so that it's not the same anchor as everybody else because this one is the Raphael anchor. And what the Raphael anchor does is X, Y, Z. I always find that the key is not to, to base things on specs because... People typically, again, depending on the industry, but I would say that this is true 99% of the time, they don't care about the specs, but instead they care about how something makes them feel. And I've seen that with myself so many times. When my wife was pregnant, we wanted to buy this ball, uh, the bouncing ball. Mm -hmm. And I was on Amazon looking for the best bouncing ball. And I clicked through, and I remember seeing this one ball that had these beautiful images, and they had these beautiful diagrams about how it's made from very thick material and so sturdy and you can bounce a thousand pounds on it or whatever. And so I bought it very confidently thinking that, you know, this is the ball for my wife. This is the best out there. And then after I got it, I remember that, it, that Amazon was showing me more recommendations for other balls. And I realized that there is at least seven balls that look exactly the same, but with different graphics. Yeah. So for me, the thing that made the biggest difference there was a graphic. And I actually believed that this is a better ball, even though it was exactly the same ball. It probably came from the exact same factory, right? All the other balls. Because you saw but, it. Because you saw it. You saw exactly. it. That was it. That was the thing that... So is a picture worth... You know, it's just interesting. I was just listening to something this morning. Is a picture worth a thousand words? Is that phrase still true? Oh, absolutely. Hmm. I would say that a picture is worth a thousand words and a video is worth a hundred thousand Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So... Because we are in, an, in a world where we have a lot of access. So if I see something on Amazon that I like, chances are, and you know this better than I do, I can probably go on Alibaba and I'll find 15 factors that make up for a quarter of the price or whatever. Right. So the key is not to really compete on price or just to put your product out there. That might get you some sales because not everybody's aware of what's happening out there. But the key is to create a brand. And by brand, I literally mean just a presentation. You want to present what it is about your product that makes it so much better than the rest. And by doing that, number one, you, you go one step up from the competition. Number two, you're now taking the lead in terms of what makes you stand out. So the benefit of doing that, which you can then use to funnel your traffic elsewhere, is that you're taking a little bit away from Amazon. And I've seen that on some Amazon product pages where you actually have a beautiful presentation of the product, showing all the features and things like that. I almost forget that I'm on Amazon and this is just the marketplace and I focus on the product. And if I focus on the product, then the brand of that product could potentially turn me over to something else like for example if you do a great job with marketing if uh, marketing uh, your product I mean if you make a beautiful presentation and you really create your brand uh, as a as a brand that we solve people's problems and then when you ship your pro product you include very prominently your website address and maybe you say you know, next time you want to order from us, here's a 10% coupon that you can use on our own website. Okay. I'm not sure they allow that. Um, Amazon. Would, I was going to uh, say, yeah. They, I'm not they sure would fight us on that. But I get your point. So if you put an insert card that said, hey, this is warrantied, for example, that ball. Hey, this is Steve's yeah. ball and it's warrantied. And if you have a problem, then you can come out and check us out on our website. And then you can play games that way. But they, they, would, they yeah. have some terms of service. But I get what you're saying. Well, one of the things that you said that it was very, very smart to me 
was I, w- I haven't thought about it this way, is that uh, we all know, uh, those of us in the Amazon world know that the video is the number one thing right now. It's the hottest thing we can all do is create videos, even if it's a slideshow, that's what customers want. Then, as you say, the photos and the infographics, right, where we can show that's really the next cutting thing, right? Real clear photos. Um, but then it's the, you know, the, uh, the features and benefits, all that stuff all has to be put together masterful. Yes. Is that also done? I mean, you're going to say, duh, of course, Steve, but it's just, I hadn't thought about it this way on your website to create that consistency that we've been talking about that we started talking about earlier. Is that because in that example with your wife and buying the ball or whatever, would you go out to that customer's website or that, that vendor's website to see what else they offered related for pregnancy or something like that? And then if, if that message continues on your website, are you more likely to buy there? Absolutely. I would say that, just to be honest, specifically on this example, I was literally just looking for a ball. Okay. But as I'm looking for the ball, I'm looking for the ball for a very specific reason. My wife was pregnant, and they say that it really helps with back pain and things like that to bounce on that ball. So if when I was looking at that ball, I saw add-ons or other products that yeah. can help pregnant women feel better hell right. yeah we all yeah. over that I, I was just thinking about that she could be reading a book with something ergonomic and she could be doing this i never thought about that um but it's basically kind of uh you know affecting you and you're like oh yeah i want one of those too and i want one of those too and since you can't yep. click on that you could click out to the brain oh geez that's smart all right all right that was cool that was very very cool <laughs> i get it i get yeah. it all right let's talk about this Unicorn principle, this phrase. Well, because it it, it interests me as I delved a little deeper about it. I don't think we think about, because one of the big things, all right, so your ball is a good example, right? You see a ball, and this is, the, this is what people teach. Hey, you go out and find a good selling product. Look at this. There's not that many sellers. There's not that many reviews. Let's go over to Alibaba. We could source it, blah. We want to improve it. And so how are we going to improve a ball like that? Well, maybe it has a handle or maybe it has a little, maybe it has an easy inflate or whatever. We're going to solve the problems that the people complained about, right? And then yes. you bring it in. And what we consider that is the unique selling proposition because what we did was we took a ball that's in demand and we improved it. But that's not really a unique selling proposition, is it? It's not. It's a, I mean, it is and it's not. It is a unique selling proposition if it's different than what's out there in the market. But that's not really it to create the real unicorn. Yes, it's not. Because I think that the the, the key here is that if you're selling a computer and I come and I sell a computer that has, you know, two more RAM or whatever, or 100 gigabytes more in in the hard drive, then my computer is better than yours. But now, what is the best selling computer in the U.S. right now? Apple, right. the, the Mac. When you see Apple marketing the Mac, do they say anything about the features? Or about the iPhone, do they say anything about the features? Never. It would be the cardinal scene for, um, for Apple to talk about specs for any of their products. Because what they're selling is how their products make you feel. And that's why when you see a commercial for Apple, you're going to see a smiling kid or a grandma talking to her sister or whatever, you know, it's, it's going to make you feel really nice and good about it. And then maybe they're going to show you a spectacular photo as if you're buying an amazing photo camera, right? And there you go. You're like, yeah, this is really so good. Nothing about the product, nothing about the features even. I mean, barely anything about the features, maybe about the camera. And I find that that's really, really, really important when it comes to sales. I think that, yeah, it's great to have a better product. Absolutely. And if you can add a handle on that ball that will make it easier to carry around, hell yeah. I think that will give you an additional edge. But the reason I'm buying the ball is not for the handle. It's more because it's going to solve my problem. So I find that the best way to position yourself for maximizing your sales is to really focus on the why why you're buying. Uh, so so and, say there a second, don't lose this because I want to make sure I get this. Steve is a little sure. slow. But me solving the problem of pregnant women's backs issues. Yes. Is that is that yes. what you're saying there? In that scenario, I have to f- effectively yes. communicate that. Okay. All right. I get that. Ooh. 
exactly. Okay. Okay. Communicate the benefits. Communicate how much research has shown that pregnant women that use the ball is better. It could be the same for every single ball, but it sounds really good. And if you communicate that through some numbers without getting into too many details, you know, show me a picture of a pregnant woman on the ball with a huge number saying that 68% of women that use the ball have shown, uh, have, you know, said that it has really helped with their back pain or something like that, mm -hmm. then you're really hitting on the problem. Well, nobody cares about the ball, right? Because you're telling me that right. I have a 68% chance that my pregnant wife is going to feel better. So now I, I really have to help my wife. It becomes a, a matter of, you know, really, really solving my problem here or helping uh, something become better. And that's where your unique value proposition should be. And I find that a lot of times it is psychological more than actual practical, meaning it's less about numbers, more about feelings. Um, other times it is very practical. We have uh, another brand that we work with, the name is Preheels, and they have a spray that you spray on your heels and you don't get blisters. Hmm. That's, that's, a, that's the idea basically. And um, for them, the unique value proposition is very much what it is. You know, they're going to sell it through the fact that you're going to have an easier life because you're not going to get blisters. But for them, it's important because they have a, a patented formula to show that their formula is, just a matter of fact, better than anything else in the market. So what worked great for them is creating a table where you weigh the options and you show how their option is just so much better than the rest. Mm. But I think that's different because it's not like there is hundreds of different sprays in the market that are almost identical. So for them, it was a very, very unique uh, element. And what I call the unicorn principle is what happens after you find what your unique value proposition and after you use it properly. And that's hard happens, to do though, right? Uh, but that's hard to do. So, hard. But once you get that, right, that's the place where the opportunity is, right? And yes. narrowing down to, how do you know that you've narrowed it down though, uh, Raphael? How do you know that we've gotten to that thing, right? How do we know that it's not just the handle? It's, how, how do we know? It's a good question. Um, I actually have, I'm, I'm working on a little workbook that maybe can send you, and I don't know if we can attach it to the podcast or maybe we can tell the audience where to find it, but I'm working on a little workbook to, to help people figure this out because I can tell you that sometimes you might have something that's very, very unique. I'm, I'm six foot seven Greek and Jewish. You know, what are the chances? <laughs> but does anybody care about that in terms of my audience and buying what I'm selling? No, that doesn't, that doesn't make me a better marketer. It doesn't, it's not going to give them more sales and it is very unique. So what I say is that you typically want to find, you start by making a list of what you have that is very unique. Sometimes it's features of the product. The handle on the ball is one of them, but then you have to dig in deeper. Uh, then think about the company. If there is a company, think about why you started the company. Think about yourself. Is there something that you can maybe bring to the table? You know, sometimes you might be surprised. You know, people that don't even think that, you know, there's anything special about them. The fact that they started a business or maybe they started a business in their home in the home city or town makes their company unique. Um, so you want to write down everything you have that's unique. Then you want to look at your competition and consider how much of that stuff do they also have, uh, okay. you know, or, or to what extent do they have that stuff? Like maybe you have a handle that they don't have, but maybe they have, a glossy finish or whatever that might be kind of related. You know, random example. I'm just making things up here. Um, and then, and that's the most important one, you don't always get it right. Uh, you want to think about what of those things that you only have and your competitors do not have are things that actually matter to your audience. Um, back in the example of the ball, if one ball can hold a thousand pounds and another one can hold 1100 pounds, I think that's a very, very small difference for me to care. Even if it took 
years for someone to manufacture a ball that can do the 1100 pound weight limit. Uh, but if I'm selling a highly specialized equipment to a very highly technical audience, then maybe that's all the difference you need. So you always want to think about your audience and how important your unique value proposition or the list of unique value propositions that you have would be to them. And then you try it. And you don't always invest, you don't put all your eggs in one basket because you don't know how it's going to convert. But Amazon and eBay are just the perfect place for that because you don't have to build a new website. Instead, tweak your copy, create a different graphic, test it out. A and B test. And all. And one of the yeah. things that's cool, and, and, I, and you actually have a whole bunch of content on generateculture.com, and I'll have a link mm -hmm. to that. Uh, generatingculture.com. I want to make sure I say that right. Um, one of the things that was very cool for me was these action steps that you have about, you know, about this principle and identifying. And one that really struck me, and I hadn't thought about it again this way, again, you got me think, thinking about these things, um, is does your brand, take a deep dive with these questions, does your brand stand for a cause or movement that resonates? Is your, like, like in that ball scenario, well, yeah, it kind of does. We want women's health. That's pretty important, right? That, that goes sure. in there, right? Is your brand inspired or attached to a cultural figure or movement that resonates? Well, women's health is way more important today, especially now that, you know, people, blah, blah, blah. And then you start working your way through here, and then you start to narrow it down. Ooh, I love it. And you could pretty much do this with anything, Correct. Yes. Right. It's Absolutely. not just it's not just balls for women going pregnant. You can do it for anything. Okay. Oh yeah, we, we have been doing it for everything. It's just that I, I, if I'm being perfectly honest, I have three wild successes in the beauty industry. So something works even better in that industry, and I actually have proof of it because of my case studies. So that's why I chose to focus generate culture on that. The same ideas work on pretty much everything. If 100% on e-commerce, maybe 99% on B2B, but not even that. You know, it, it will still work even if you're selling services. Um, because you're, you're, the whole foundation is really on sales psychology. If you're just selling someone on stats and specs, it doesn't work. Yeah, good luck with that. Right. Yeah. Well, that's but the race to the bottom, right? That's that's it. Only thing price you only uh, variable you have is price. Period. Yes. That's it, yes. and that's not a good business model to be in. Exactly. Someone is going to beat you one mm -hmm. way or another. Yep. One. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So so identifying that unique proposition, right? And then how do you get? Because I think this is real. I think a whole bunch of people run into these problems. Getting these influencers then to take and help. I was thinking about that makeup example you gave earlier. They went out into the market, into Pinterest and Instagram or wherever it is, and put out there this look. And people are like, whoa, I like that look. How do I find yes. out more? So they almost like created this urgency, hence the reason it sold out in a, in a, you know, yes. in a day or whatever. How do, how do we do that? Once I know my unique selling proposition, how do I take and identify and then really get the benefit of these influencers? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'll tell you how you don't do it. Oh, okay. I'm probably going to sit here and say, I'm doing that, I'm doing that, I'm doing that. <laughs> yes, yes. Because it's, it's really, I mean, our brain is, is set up to think this way. You see something that works and you're like, okay, how do we quickly do this as well? And how do you quickly do it? You look for a way to buy Instagram followers, or you look for a company that will find you influencers and they charge by the, you know, thousands or whatever based on the following. So basically, it's not easy. Let's start by saying that. And so there are many companies that have been created to make it easier and give you a shortcut, such as you know, you want to do better in social media, buy 10,000 Instagram followers, and there you go. Now you have a following. But you don't because you bought them, and they're either going to be fake, like bots that don't actually do anything, so they, they serve zero purpose, or they're going to be actual Instagram users that don't care about your brand, but maybe they get you know, 10 cents for following an Instagram account. 
So again, in both cases, yes, you might end up now with 10 or 100,000 followers, but no interaction, no sales. So that defeats the purpose. In other cases, you might connect with a company that has a directory of influencers, and then you get to choose a few influencers, pay them a fixed fee, and they make a post about your product and say, hey, check out this great anchor. Also doesn't work. And the reason why it doesn't work is that the way that you have to do it is you have to find influencers that are talking to your audience. Yeah. The numbers really do not matter. I cannot stress this enough. I've seen much bigger successes from smaller audience, but scaled up. So let's say, for example, 10 influencers that have 50,000 followers each, that totals to half a million followers between 10 accounts, versus one mega influencer that has a million five. So they have three times the audience, but it's not the right audience. And so your conversions and your sales are gonna reflect that. So that's one, you have to find the right influencers that they're talking to your audience. If you're selling makeup, don't go to, you know, I mean, you could go to Justin Bieber, but then you're gonna be wasting, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars and you're probably not gonna make a ton of sales. You'll, make, you'll sell some, but your audience is so diluted that you're just missing out. But if you go to a makeup artist, they might only have, you know, 25,000 followers. These are 25,000 followers that follow that person primarily because of their makeup skills and because it's, they want to see what they do with makeup. So, so I'm thinking, is it a passion? Is that what it is? Is that the formula in there? That that audience, are, in that makeup example, there's a passion for those people because they're going for a makeup artist. Yeah, that's that's part of it for sure. Okay. Uh, in most cases, yeah, I will say that it's passion or just a very strong interest. Okay. But you want to follow, you want to appeal to an audience that is following that person for a specific reason. Okay. So if you're selling fashion, if you're selling clothing, don't just go to any model. Model is the right approach, but don't just go to any model. Go to a model that is wearing in her normal life or his normal life the type of clothes that you're selling. If you're selling tech, go to someone that has, maybe does, you know, opens boxes for tech stuff and does reviews because that person's audience is looking for tech stuff, right? Right. So it's not less about the number, more about the actual influencer and the, the specific audience that they're targeting. But the how do you, how, wait, how do you vet them? How do I know? Because like you said, there are directories that say, hey, Steve, here's, uh, here's e-commerce people. Here's, this guy's got 500,000 people and they're all interested in e-commerce. Right. How do I vet them? So it's actually easier than you think. <laughs> the, the way you vet them is you basically go to their Instagram or you go to the platform of choice and you look at what they post. Um, what you'll find is that the people that care the most about their audience and the people that have the most support with their audience, which is who you want to work with, are not going to post bullshit. And when I, when I say bullshit, let me clarify, it doesn't mean that the products are bullshit. It's just that if I see an account that has two sales posts for every one normal post, or if I see an account that will post about makeup and also about, you know, widgets, then that tells me that this is a, this is a, a person that does this for advertising revenue. So it's like and it's like the boy who cried wolf. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, I've heard it a thousand times. I'm just going to become another one of the things they sell. That's not a passion. That's exactly. clearly okay. All right. So then you, exactly. you, they're just a marketing machine, and you're just like, okay, check. I don't want to be in. It. Okay. All right. That's smart. Now there is value there as well, but you need to always consider what are you putting into it and what are you going to get in return. Right. You know, mm -hmm. if I if the price is the same, hell no. The price should be less than half, maybe less than, than a third. Because one is going to be highly targeted, one it has a following that when they publish something, their following is ready to listen because it doesn't happen very often, or maybe it does, but when it does happen, it's something really unique. 
And then that person is going to tell you that, hey, you know, I don't want to post about your product because I don't see something that's so special about it. You know, I also know XYZ uh, does this. So that can get you thinking. That's what you'll find. The good influencers are not just going to accept your money and post to their audience because then, same like you, right? Imagine if you all of a sudden put a filler podcast that is just random. You're letting your audience down. Right. So next time you publish your next podcast, they're going to second guess potentially listening to it. Yeah, random example. But the same theory applies everywhere. When you have an audience and you respect them, you always want to release quality content. And even if the content is ads or you know promoting a product or a brand, it still has to be good quality, which brings me to another little tidbit here, which is content. Super important. Never, com never work with an influencer to just have them post about the product and tell their audience, go buy this product. It has to be something cooler, something, again, focused on your unique value proposition and the problem you're solving. Back to the ball, don't just put a picture of the ball with the price and say, this is a great ball, go buy it. Instead, remember that pregnant lady and how you're helping her back. Maybe that should be a campaign, you know, better pregnancy, you know, hashtag better pregnancy. And behind the campaign, we always have that ball. You know, so you're selling your product, but you're masking it under a catchy campaign that makes people feel more than just, you know, seeing a picture of the product. Hmm. How, how difficult is it to find those type that really the genuine one? Because there's a whole group of people that have become just marketers because they see the opportunity sure. and they're, you know, they're just like sitting there. Oh, I'll take a hundred bucks here. I'll take a thousand here. I'll take five. Sure. Those people, how, how is it difficult to find them? I mean, I'm sure they still exist, but is it getting harder to find them and then getting harder to get them to help you advance your product? Yes and no. Um, Yes, it's getting more difficult because now the market is much more diluted. When Instagram first started, and Instagram is a big, big topic because I think this is the the platform that is still, you know, has so much room there. Right. Facebook, Facebook ads, so saturated. Um, but when Instagram first started, it really was a personal thing. Nobody was using it to market anything. And then the influencer era came about, and then everybody started thinking that maybe they can make some extra money through their Instagram account. So before, you didn't have to look for it. Everybody was legit. And I'm using the term loosely, you know, nothing against people that are actually selling every single post. I'm just saying that everybody was posting on Instagram because they, they wanted to really show something. Even if that something is themselves and how they dress, it was something. Today, you get a lot of uh, people that just start their account for the purpose of turning it into a, an advertising yeah, account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They see it. Oh, I'm going to make millions. All I have to do is just buy these, buy these, inf or buy these um, followers, right? Because you could buy it. Yeah. And then uh, I'm going to now, hey, I got 20,000 followers, Raphael. You want to market on my channel? Oh. I yeah, know. I'm in demand, man. I'm in demand. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But now here's how it's easy. When you go to one of those accounts, just look at the last five posts that they made. And the things that you want to look at is, number one, did they get any comments? Number two, did they get any likes? Number three, um, what are the posts about? Chances are, I'll say like 95% of the time, if it's someone that has more than 50,000 followers and they make a post and they get less than, you know, 10 comments, just run away. <laughs> That's not a, an account that you want to be associated with because it shows that whatever they're posting has not attracted interest from their own audience or that their audience is just not the right audience, meaning that the audience is either paid or it um, it just doesn't uh, work with that influencer. So in either scenario, that's not an influencer that you want to work with. Okay.
All right. So, so when we get there, right, so we find somebody we want to work with, we then, I guess the opportunity then is to, to take in and bring the product there and tell the customer's story. Is that really the way to do that in today's market? is to connect with that person and tell customers stories. So therefore, uh, me, who follows that person, makes it even a bigger connection. Is that kind of the thing I'm reading in when I look at Generate Culture? Yeah, I, I love customer stories. Uh, it's not the only way to do it, but it all comes down to the fact that you're not supposed to sell the product. Okay, I mean, no matter what. You're supposed okay. to sell the product, but you, you want to sell it in a different way. So if Steven used my product, he loved it, it really gave him, you know, whatever, it made his day easier, then I'd love for Steven to come on to my influencer and the post be about Steven and how this product helped make his life easier. Still about the product, but it's not me telling you that the product is good and you should go buy it. Instead, it's a real person like anybody reading this post. So it's much more powerful. People love to be sold by other people than by brands. Okay, so that's one technique. What's another? Um, another is to create a campaign behind the product and to try and generate um, a following rather than uh, a direct purchase. So for example, um, I'll use Melt again. So imagine that you know Melt Let's say they wanted to, to just create more buzz about a product. Instead of posting a picture about a new line saying, you know, this is coming out soon, maybe they can try to spark interest from the audience to maybe win a special edition of something. So let's say you work with a series of influencers, but not to market the product, instead to market a contest that would allow visitors to win something if they make a small video or if they post a picture showing how they're using your product. I, I love that approach, creating a contest. Because what you do there is you're using the power of the influencer, you're using the audience of the influencer to create brand ambassadors. And that's one of the, the best yeah. ways. Ooh, to that's a powerful term, a brand ambassador. So by them endorsing the contest and helping their audience win something, doesn't cost the uh, influence or anything, they become by default a brand ambassador. Ooh. Yeah. Very and powerful. then their audience becomes brand ambassadors because they start marketing your product. We did this. I've, I've, I, I remember 10 years ago, we bought a sofa from this company. And it was one of the first... Uh, of the type that I saw, and I, I remember being really enamored by it. They basically said, post a picture on your social media about how you're using yourself with your family, and the one that gets the most votes will get a $1,000 check. And we totally did it. And we told all our friends to come and check out our sofa and like it. Of course you did. So now you got Let's say you have, they have 50 or 100 people post pictures. Each of those people, maybe they have you know 500 of other people in their circles between their whole family or more. So all of a sudden, you have a few thousand people looking at your product, and all it costs you is a thousand bucks. Plus, uh, in, in this scenario, it could be an iPod, right? It doesn't even have to be that big. People love to win stuff. And they're willing to put some of their time and effort in order to do it, as long as you're not asking for two months, right? Uh, I think it's genius, though, using an influencer for that. Now, that's powerful to me because it's so... It's just so different. And again, like you said, they become the ambassador, then their friends become, or their, their followers become ambassadors and they bring their friend. I mean, it's multiplies, multiplies. I want to close up. And one of the things that I also found on your site that I found intriguing, okay, and, and I know uh, I'm going to let Raphael make a pitch for his services, okay? Steve doesn't benefit. I want to make sure people understand that other than, I always say this, is that if you use or you connect and you've, you take advantage of services that get you further along in your business, I win because you've done better. That's what I always tell people, and that's the God's honest truth. I mean that. But here I think this Love is that. so powerful. This is such a big deal that I don't think about until you have it written here. 
I need to be able to see my unique selling, my unique value. I keep saying selling proposition. My unique value proposition, the first time you visit my website, you want to see it the fifth time. You want to see it when you go to somebody else's website. Whenever there's a brand, uh, when your brand is mentioned, you want to see that unique value proposition in everything you do. It becomes synonymous. And then I think that the other powerful statement here is, hey, I'm not in the, uh, um, I'm not in the uh, ball business, bouncing ball, or seating ball seats. I don't know what they even call those things, right? I'm not, right? I'm not in that business. I'm in the helping pregnant mothers uh, become better, blah, 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 a terrible thing. That's my business. That's my brand, right? And that's what you tell people. That's the business I'm in. And when you say that, it's like you believe it. It becomes infectious, and I can see that. And again, back to our example in the beginning, where a lot of people listening to this are selling on Amazon, they're creating brands, and they want to move off. That's the key. Create the brand there, bring it off, and stay with the same message. That's the takeaway I'm going to get from this. This is very powerful, very, very powerful. And, and your example of Nike, just do it, that's it, right? It doesn't matter what the name is. It's just do it, no matter what you think. Exactly. That check mark, we all know what it means. And that's what you can do. And it's consistent. And so, oh, I love it. Dude, I, I love what you do. Um, so go ahead and make a pitch for what you're doing. Um, so you offer services. You, you actually create websites. Are you only in the, the health and beauty market? Or is that, I mean, it, it's, a, it's not a bad thing for anybody listening that's sure. in health and beauty. He, he's done this several times at health and beauty and hit some home runs with it. So this exactly. could be somebody else that, but you can help other brands too, correct? We can, yes. So basically, the way to think about it is that I founded Weber's, which is a, an award-winning digital agency. We worked on hundreds of projects in pretty much every industry. Weber's, W-E-B-E-R-O-U-S, Weber's. Okay. Yes. So outside of Weber's, I personally work with brands, and I help them with their brand strategy, with making a website, and with creating a marketing campaign in terms of uh, really, really honing into the unique value proposition and trying to apply the unicorn principle, which is that if we do things right, if we find what the UVP is, and if we apply it on all your different collateral, then we're gonna sell out. And that's, that's exactly what I try to do with the brands that I work with on a personal level. It basically gets create that urgency. I love it. Okay. All right. So the goal of this podcast is to help people who are stuck. And I, I because that, you know, one of the challenges in our world, and this translates over to your world, right? You're helping brands get, how do you get those brands that probably have a good idea? They spun their wheels. How do you get them unstuck? What's your advice for those brands, those people who have started and they were passionate, but they just keep spinning their wheels? What's your advice to get them unstuck? I think you need to try something that you haven't tried before. I, I, I don't remember exactly how the quote goes, but I remember that it really blew my mind the first time I heard it. It's something along the lines of, you know, trying to do the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result is the definition of insanity or something like that. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Yep. Yeah, I think that's so spot on. Like. If you're selling on Amazon and it's going good and then you hit a million dollars and then you just cannot go past a million dollar mark, stop just doing what you're doing. What you're doing works because you got to where you are, but maybe that's the extent of it. So now try something different. Try to to move outside of Amazon. That would be my, my take or outside of eBay. And if you've done that already then take another look at it and see how many of your sales are coming from your website or maybe your Facebook store or whatever else you're doing. And if that number has really not changed for a while, then there's a lot that you can do there. So I think that for your audience specifically, which is mainly Amazon and eBay sellers, focus on your website because if you manage to bring the customer to your website, and you can totally do that, if you've managed to get I always say, if you got a thousand, if you got ten, a hundred thousand dollars in sales, that is the first milestone that tells me that you have a product that can sell. So then the next one is, can you build that product to sell even more, or have you saturated your market, and then you, maybe you need to expand your product line. But there are always things that you can do to 
to, you know, extend where you're at and go to the next level. And it almost always has to do with moving outside of your comfort zone. You know, I think it's solid advice. I think you're absolutely right. You might have taken it as far as it can go. Okay. Now let's look at another direction. What does that mean? I think it's powerful. All right. I see on your website, generateculture.com, in the top right, there's a start the conversation. Is that the best way to get in touch with you or is there another way you'd prefer? They can, you know, anybody could use that one and it's a form that will come straight to us or I can share my personal email and I'm happy to answer any questions. So it's Raphael, R-A-F-A-E-L, at generateculture.com. Generate culture. Dude, that was very, very cool. Um, you got me thinking about a whole bunch of things that I hadn't, and I had not made a bunch of connections, but I, oh man, this is so powerful. You've got to see my unique value proposition the first time, the fifth time, every single time. It's got to be consistent across all channels. And those are, I mean, I've met a guy who sells on 18 channels, so it's got to be consistent and then bring them off onto your own. Love it. Hey, I want to thank you so much. I think it's very, very cool and uh, very helpful and very relevant uh, for the e-commerce whisperer to tell us. (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much. much. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Take care. Cool story. I love the effect of the thunder. I said to him afterwards, like, it's so cool that he was able to add that in for me to make that happen. And uh, he takes credit for that. But it's very cool. Um, Smart guy. And again, look outside of our business right now. And I I am. um, I'm at an event coming up this following week when this comes out. I'm out talking to other people outside of our world because guess what? Those worlds are all colliding right? We, our Amazon world, our eBay world, those worlds are colliding. As e-commerce becomes more in your face, more prevalent, you're going to see more of it. I have a cool story of an artist I met today, for example, and, you know, her business, her world has gone away because the retail stores she used to sell in are gone, but yet she's moving into our world and she's got so much talent. And so it's so cool to hear somebody, you know, dip in their toe in. The worlds are colliding more and more. So step outside, learn more from other people, um, and we're all going to be better off. Ecommercemomentum.com, ecommercemomentum.com. Hey, take care. Thanks for listening to the e-commerce momentum podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.